In recent news, Next 90 is now back on the air. But where has he been? Don't call it a comeback. So here we go, Next 90 Nation. A lot of questions and comments from all of you out there that are still listening, and I truly appreciate it, about where the hell have I been? That's a really good question. And I'm sitting here right now. It's almost midnight on a Friday night. I'm on Balboa Island in Newport Beach, California. I'm sitting here on the edge of the water, staring, pontificating, and really thinking back over my life, over the last, I guess, year or so, since I did a fresh podcast episode. And I might be a little bit out of breath, and that's because I just finished a nightly five-mile run. It's a run that I've been committed to every single night for the last, I'd say, 45-plus days. And the decision to run every night came on the wake of one of the most painful experiences and losses I've ever had to endure in my entire adult life. I lost my father in mid-October, suddenly and unexpectedly. He had what was called a silent heart attack. I'd never heard of this. I'd never heard of a silent heart attack before, but there was nothing silent about this heart attack because it sent an echo and a ricochet into the world that was deafening. It rattled me to my absolute core and my soul. But what ultimately is a silent heart attack simply means your heart just stops. He was normal, jovial, laughing and joking seconds prior to losing his life. The crazy part is on the night that he lost his life, at the exact moment in space and time, I was out for a run. I was out for a run in the midst of a challenge that I tend to put myself into. As you know, the next 90 is committed to breaking your life down 90 days at a time and challenging you to be better every single day. And so I've been really prudent practicing what I preach. I'd love to tell you that it's always the case, but it isn't. Sometimes the teacher needs to be the perpetual student. And so I I, I put myself into this challenge, and I'll talk about it at a later date because it's not important. What is important is that I decided to go out for a run the evening my, my father passed away. And, uh, It was late at night because we had done a dinner party with some neighbors and I just made the commitment to always go out and finish up my night with a run. What I didn't know is that this particular night, two universes were going to collide in the most painfully beautiful way I couldn't even comprehend and still am unpacking unpacking to this day. But what ultimately happened is I was looking for some material for my weekly Mindset Monday sessions with one of my clients. And so 
I went to YouTube and I typed in motivational speech. And when I typed it in, I just clicked on the first one and it opened up with a guy who was doing a TED talk. And he said, I lost my father two months ago in 2020. And as this man started to talk about the loss he had endured with his father, it got me to thinking about my own father. It got me to thinking about, man, how much longer is my dad gonna be alive? You see, cause you may or may not know this, but my father had been battling multiple sclerosis for 30 plus years. He'd been in a wheelchair for well over a decade, lost his ability to walk, pretty much lost his ability on his entire right side to, to do anything. Totally emasculated. Here was the strongest man I ever knew in my life. A man that like I equally loved and oftentimes feared, but always loved way more than I feared. An avid marathon runner, he'd ran 14 marathons in his life before his ability to walk was taken away. And so I, I knew at some point in my adult life that my father was gonna die early. I had no idea that when I was listening to that talk, when I was listening to that speech, that my father was actually dying at that very time. How was it possible that in a world of infinite possibilities, in that place, in that time, in that message, where I'm in that space and container of thinking about my father, his life, his journey, his life is actually ending. And I didn't really give it like much thought beyond that other than, you know what? I need to spend some more time with my dad. I need to tell him some things that have been on my mind for a long time. I need to tell him that I forgive him for some of the things that I had been harboring and I know that he knew I had been harboring them as well. I wanted to tell him that I had a massive level of empathy for him as I became a father. As I looked at my own children, imagining my father raising four of us, twins, I'm a twin, an older brother and a younger brother. Like what that must have been like. And he did not have access to the information that I have. He didn't have information in the palm of his hand. He didn't have access to these personal development groups and things I've committed my life to. And I, I just, I wanted him to know that I had so much empathy and how hard it must have been to be him, a man all alone, trying to figure it out, trying to raise three boys into a man while he was still trying to figure out his own journey as one. And I went to sleep that night and, uh, I woke up to my wife saying, babe, someone's in our house. And of course, like, this is gonna alarm any human being. And I said, what? She said, someone is in our house. And so I jump up and my BVDs and grab my handy cell phone flashlight, which would scare off any intruder. And I run around the house. The first thing I do is go to the kids' rooms and check on them, they're fine. And I make my way throughout the house looking in nooks and crannies and under tables and behind curtains. And ultimately there was nobody there, at least not in the physical sense. And I got to thinking like, what time is it? What time is it? And I walked around the corner cause I don't sleep with you know, my phone next to the bed and uh, 
I took a look down at my phone and I had three missed calls from my little brother, a text message from my older brother, and three or four missed calls from my mother. And I knew, I knew it wasn't good. I knew that something was wrong, but I had no idea like the level of tragedy that was about to be bestowed upon me. So I called my brother and I heard the words that I'd been dreading and I feared that would come, but I had no idea it would come so early, which was, Nick, dad's dead. As I say him out of my mouth right now, I still can't believe him. And I said, what? He said, dad died. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm, I, I'm at the hospital. Dad is dead. And I said, I'll be right there. Like the emotion actually didn't even come out of me at that moment because it was just this overwhelm of disbelief. And I walk out of the bathroom and my wife said, what's going on? And I said, my dad died. My dad died. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And my wife grabbed me and squeezed me. I said, I, I, I got to go. I knew I had to get out there. I knew I had to try to try to see him or at least see the, the, the vessel, the physical body that had carried his human soul and spirit for 67 years. And as I was walking out the door, it fucking hit me like a ton of bricks. How the fuck am I going to break this to my children? How am I going to tell my two young children who adore this man? Who, who consider him to be their best friend. My, my daughter, Nevin, N-E-V-I-N, is named after my father, Kevin. They were like kindred spirits connected through namesake, but just like connected in a way that I, I can't ever explain. And I, I, I physically collapsed and I picked myself up and I haul ass out to Chino driving and I call a good friend of mine. I knew he'd pick up and he did. And uh, it was one in the morning and he, and he just held space for me and he sort of talked me down and I got my wits about me and made it to the hospital and we weren't supposed to be able to see my father due to this fucking COVID-19, whatever the hell this bullshit sham is. And, uh, but the doctor was kind enough to let us back and I saw his body and I leaned over and I was like, dad, I love you. I forgive you. Like, I know you love me. And he told me so many times, but I said, I want you to know how much I love you and I forgive you. And I kissed his beautiful bald head. It was still warm and I grabbed his hand and I was just like, what the fuck just happened? <sighs> so I got my mom home around four in the morning. And uh, I drove down here to the beach. And I thought, what would my dad do? And then I had this overwhelming sense of he would go for a run. What would this man give to go for one last run? Something he loved to do so much and it was stripped away from him for years. Imprisoned in his own body. His career ended all too short. His ability to provide, gone. Years and years ago, he retired in 1997 because he couldn't button 
the fucking buttons on his dress shirt and tie his tie without getting physically exhausted. And I thought, who am I? Who am I to like take for granted this body, this vessel that I've been given? And so I did that. I ran. And when I say I ran, this isn't like I was out for a leisurely, leisurely jog. I fucking ran. And I put on YouTube. And the first thing that came up was Amazing Grace. Like, how are these things happening? This is my dad's favorite song, his favorite gospel song, A God-Fearing Man. And I put Amazing Grace on repeat, and I fucking ran. Snot streaming out of my nose, tears pouring like a sieve out of my eyes, physically collapsing, punching the concrete with my bare fist, screaming at the top of my lungs. But I get up and I run and I run and I run and I run and I run. And it felt like I only ran for a few minutes. But when I looked down, I'd gone over seven miles. And I called somebody else. I called actually a client of mine, which is sort of odd. But I just, I felt drawn to call this man, a, another strong man of faith and a guy who, like I had been pouring into for a couple of years and I, I, I knew too that he would pick up the phone and he did. And somehow the teacher became the little student, bawling his eyes out. But this man stood there and held the most beautiful space for me to just let that pain out, to just get it out and expel it from my body. And he stood there and as it hit him and it hit his ears, it, 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 it shed it and it divided it and it put it into little pieces on the floor. And so that day, after those, that powerful experience, I said, no longer, no longer in my life am I going to run from pain. No longer in my life am I going to run away and hide from my pain. I am going to run toward it. I'm going to run through it. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to run and run and run through the pain. And never ever in my life have I been more certain and more clear that the work is the only thing that works the end. Every night, sometimes twice a day, I come and I go for a run with my dad. I think about how blessed I am to have physical health and I'll be damned if I am going to take for granted something my father literally would have given his life for. One more run, one more shot at life, one more day that we can get up and fucking move and do the things we said we were going to do. The crazy thing is, is that I sit here now, a leaner than I've ever been, body fat in the single digits, more emotionally equipped, matched by my physical stature than I've ever been in my fucking life. And I'm telling you guys right now, had I not been in the midst of a challenge, had I not been like preparing myself unconsciously for this moment, I definitely would have jumped into the bottom of a vodka bottle like I did when my grandpa died. 
which was the first major shift in my life. There's been three, no, four radical shifts in my life. Shift number one is my grandpa passes away when I was 31 years old. This brings me back to my estranged girlfriend who is now my wife and the mother of my children. Shift number two is I, I commit and I go all in on my wife and I marry her. Shift number three is becoming a father, but more specifically becoming a father to my son, Noah. And looking at him going, how the hell am I going to raise this boy into a man when I am not one myself? And that launched a journey into personal development that has lasted for five years. And I've spent countless hundreds of thousands of dollars and hours developing myself all to lead to this moment right here, right now. To shift number four of my father dying. No longer is there another generation. I am the generation. I am the spearhead carrying on my father's legacy. Like it has been fucking painful. There's a reason why I went off the air. And that's because I was running from my pain. I was hiding from it. I was hiding from you. I was hiding from my wife. I was hiding from the world. The weight of the world came down upon my shoulders and I was not doing the work and I crumbled beneath it. But I can assure you this, amongst the rubble, I decided to stop feeling pain. I decided to stop having a pity party and I decided to knock all that shit off my shoulders and stand, the, stand back the fuck up and look the world in the eyes and say, I'm out, but not for long. And you will never, ever keep this man down again because they can take everything from me and trust me, they did and they have, but what they can never take from me is my mindset, my skill set, and the man who built it all in the first place. So this episode is a decision to run toward my pain. I did not want to do this, especially not right now, but that's the exact reason why I knew I should do it. And I'm gonna challenge you right now in your life, there is a pain point. There is something painful in your life right now that you are running from, that you are hiding from, that you were ignoring, that you were sweeping under the rug. And I'm telling you, put on your running shoes, whether it's figurative or quite literal and run at that shit. Run through it. Stay with it as long as you need to until you are on the other side. The work is the only thing that works. And so this next round of Next 90 is going to get very real. It's going to get very raw. And I'm going to tell you exactly what's happened in my life over the last year. And it has not been pretty. But there have been some massive, massive lessons. And the crazy part is I had the single greatest day of my entrepreneurial career just two weeks ago after all this shit. So might it be that all of that was preparing me for that one moment to stand tall in power, presence, and purpose because I had done the work and because I had ran through the pain. So everything will be clear. Everything will be clear as to where I've been and where I'm going. 
and where I'm currently at right now. But just show up. Just show up for this podcast. This podcast is going to trigger you. This podcast is going to make you laugh. This podcast is going to make you cry. But this podcast is going to make you look in the mirror and ask, who the fuck am I? And the more clear you get about that, the less of a mystery your life will be. So thank you for everybody for tuning in. Thank you for once again allowing me to get this pain out, to to expel it and to divide it amongst this wonderful Next 90 Nation. I promise you this is going to be a fun one. And I promise you I'm going to continue to level up. I also promise you I will never save any of you. Because I am a leader, not a savior. I'm committed to leveling up my life 90 days at a time. And I'm committed to leading this next 90 nation. This is the next 90.